Good morning, everyone. Let us pray. Our Father, as we come to your precious word, may the thoughts that have been generated in our minds and in our hearts already about the blessings that you have for us, may we continue to listen. May we be receptive to your precious word. Thank you for it, loving Lord. We just praise your holy name. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. I want to re read to begin with from from Isaiah. We read from Isaiah just before Christmas. Uh, that was Isaiah chapter 9. Now we're reading from Isaiah chapter 63. And it's a lovely passage. Just one verse, verse 9. And it says, and I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, in all their suffering he suffered, and the angel of his presence saved them. He redeemed them because of his love and compassion. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of the past, all the days of old. I want to read that again. Let the words sink into our minds. In all their suffering, he suffered, and the angel of his presence saved them. He redeemed them because of his love and compassion. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of the past. Now it's obvious that this is a very special angel. Because he suffered with them. He redeemed them. He carried them. He saved them. And it was because of his love and compassion he lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. When we read through the book of Revelation, we see some mighty angels doing amazing things. But this is something different. And when I read this, I asked myself the question, what angel is this? I mentioned that we uh, read from Isaiah chapter 9 just before Christmas. To us a son is given. To us, to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And we looked at the child. But today I want to focus on the son. Because this is our Lord Jesus, the the child was born, but the son was given because the son existed before the incarnation. The angel of the Lord was, and this angel of his presence, it, it, that expression is only used here in Isaiah 63 verse 9. The angel of his presence occurs only there. And so the question is, 
What angel is it? And in fact, it turns out that it's the same one who is elsewhere mentioned in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord was a visible appearance of God to visitation that the theologians call a theophany. They like these big words. But it's simply two words together. Theos, God, and phanine, to appear. So it's an appearance of God. So again we ask the question, who is the angel of the Lord? And the answer is he is the second person of the Trinity who appeared in human form. His manifestation is clearly godlike, shown by his actions and knowledge that he's not just a created angel. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 13, Hagar, this is the first appearance of the angel of the Lord. And Hagar says of him, you God, see me. She recognized him as God. In First Chronicles chapter 21, 16 and 17, This is a lovely passage about Peter Johnson's favourite Old Testament character, David. When David looked up and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven with his drawn sword in his hand, stretched out over Jerusalem, David and the elders clothed in sackcloth fell face down. David said to God, Wasn't I the one who gave the order to count the people? I am the one who has sinned and acted very wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Lord my God, please let your hand be against me and against my father's family, but do not let the plague be against your people. So when David saw the angel of the Lord He fell down and worshipped him. And I want to notice two things from this passage. First of all, that he acknowledged that this angel was, in fact, the Lord. The Lord God. And the second is, is a lovely little illustration of the heart of Peter. Of Pete, sorry. Of David. He says, of these, but these sheep, what have they done? He didn't mind taking the punishment himself, but he didn't want his people to take that same punishment. He was their shepherd and they were his sheep. The angel of the Lord speaks as only God can speak. In Genesis chapter 16. This again is Hagar. 
the angel, <coughs> Genesis chapter six, 16, verse 7, the angel of the Lord found her by the spring in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? She replied, I'm running away from my mis mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her authority. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your offspring and they will be too many to count. And in, in chapter 15, verse 5, He looked outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars if you're able to count them. Then he said, your offspring will be that numerous. So we find here the words of God repeated. The angel of the Lord is the one who's speaking again to Hagar. In Genesis 31, Verses 11 to 13. In that dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, look up and see all the males that are mating with the flocks are streaked and spotted and speckled. For I have seen that what Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel where you bought, poured out oil on the stone marker and made a solemn vow to me, get up, leave this land and return to your native land. Here the angel of the Lord identifies himself as the God of Bethel. In Judges chapter 13 verse 18, when Hannah and her husband were visited by the angel of the Lord and she was promised that she would have a son. And Manoah, her husband, when he was confronted with the angel, he said, what is your name? And the angel responded, why do you ask my name? since it is beyond understanding. A name beyond knowing, too wonderful, absolutely and supremely wonderful. And Matthew Henry has this to say, the name of our, of our Lord is, is wonderful and secret, but by his wonderful works, he makes himself known as far as is needful for us. Then we see also that the angel of the Lord can do only what God can do. In Genesis 48, fifteen and sixteen.
This is Isaac. This is Jacob. Then he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my father Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm, may he bless these boys. And this angel redeemed Jacob from all this harm, all danger. In Judges chapter 2 verse 1, he declares that I brought you out of Egypt and led you all the way to the land of promise. In Judges chapter 6, Verses 11 and 12. The angel of the Lord came and he sat down under the oak that was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash, and his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. And in verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. And then in verse 20 to 22, the angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat with the unleavened bread, put it on this stone and pour broth on it. So he did that. The angel of the Lord extended the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire came up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. When Gideon realized that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Oh no, Lord God, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. I have seen the Lord, the angel of the Lord face to face. But God said to him, But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Don't be afraid, for you will not die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it. The Lord is peace. Jehovah, Jehovah, Shalom. And so we see here that the angel of the Lord commissions Gideon. He commands fire and he preserves life. These are not the word, not the actions of an ordinary angel. The angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And this is a remarkable passage. The angel of the Lord is mentioned in verse 2. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. 
Only God could bring fire. And only God could bring a fire that wouldn't consume the bush. There were times when God brought fire and it did consume what he brought it upon it. But here, it doesn't. And the rest of the text of this angel of the Lord, he's called Yahweh, the Lord, he's called Ephraim, God, and he's called by that stunning title, I am who I am. In verses 14 and 15, we read, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent you to me. God also said to Moses, say, to the, say this to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. And that I am, we hear again in John's Gospel. The Lord Jesus himself uses it seven times. And he says in that stunning statement, I am. And he claims to be God. And the question is, how can we, we mere mortals, how can we understand with any real significance what's revealed here by the Holy Spirit? What we've got to remember is What Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy and he said, all scripture is God-breathed. We are never to question God's word. We are always to be subject to it. We are always to accept what it says and to believe what it says. In Daniel chapter 3, the angel of the Lord appeared in the fiery furnace. In Daniel 3, verses 13 to 18, Sadrach, Meshach and Abednego remained faithful to God. They had been put to the test and they refused to bow. They refused to bend. In Daniel chapter 3, 24 and 25, we read, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. He said to his officials, Was it not three men we cast bound into the fiery furnace? Look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. In chapter 27, in verse 27 of chapter 3, the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was a hair of their head singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of the fire even come upon them. But in verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar 
said this, Praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servant. So it was the angel of the Lord, the second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was with those three men in that furnace. In, in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel was cast into a lion's den. In verse 7, King Darius was persuaded to issue a decree that only he should be worshipped. And punishment for disobedience would be to be thrown into the lion's den. And so these men who were wishing harm to to Daniel watched him carefully to see whether he would be obedient to the king's directive. But Daniel had a practice of bowing before his God three times a day with his windows open, with all to see if they chose. And he continued to do exactly the same. And so, as a consequence, he was thrown into the lion's den. And in verse 19 and 20 we read that in the morning, obviously when the king Darius realised what he had been manoeuvred into doing, he wasn't happy about it. Because it says, in the morning the king went anxiously to check on Daniel. Has your God been able to rescue you? And Daniel's response in verse 22 was, My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. These are actions of God, not actions of mere angels. The angel of the Lord appears also to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. Remember that Abraham was called to go and take his son. In verse 8, God himself, we read that God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And in verse 10, Abraham took reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. Verse 11, But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. So this is the angel speaking. I know that you fear God. And he identifies himself with God with that word, me. You have not withheld your only son from me. This is the one who's recorded in scripture as being the son of promise, the only son. And that was the sense in which Isaac was his only son. He had another son, Ishmael, but 
Isaac was the son of promise. Isaac was the one who was born to Sarah, who was, who was barren. Now, with Isaac on the altar and a knife in his hand, Abraham has sacrificed everything. He has nothing left. He's a man alone with God. And God responds. Verse 13, we read that there was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And I've heard it referred to as a thorn-crowned ram. And in verse 14, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh is the one who will provide. The angel called a second time, by myself I have sworn. And he repeats the promises made to, to Abraham in chapter 12, verse 3, when he called him from Ur of the Chaldees. And in chapter 15, verse 5, when he believed the word of God. And in, verse, in chapter 18, verse 18, when the birth of Isaac was promised, he believed God. The promises that, what he believed was, the promises, the promise was that his offspring would be as the stars of heaven. Here, the angel of the Lord can only be divine correctly, directly connected with both God and Yahweh. We can only accept. It's beyond our understanding. It's beyond our comprehension. In the Moody Handbook of Theology, we read that the angel of the Lord no longer appears after the incarnation of Christ. There is no mention of the angel of the Lord in the New Testament. He ceases to appear after the birth of Christ because now he has come in person in a new manifestation. So what do we take from this? Within the Godhead is a mysterious presence which is totally beyond our comprehension. This is not something that we can understand. I was thinking, I saw a program um, <coughs> about, and it was talking about the universe and talking about a, a galaxy which is so far away that your mind can't even begin to comprehend the distance. And if I thought, if I can't get my head around that, how can I get my head around God? Our God is not the invention of men. Our God is the God of heaven. All scripture is God-breathed, so it's true no matter what, what man may say. There are no myths and legends. Genesis is not myths and legends. Genesis is God's truth. If you want to know the history 
of the beginnings of mankind, the most accurate, the most reliable, is found in Genesis. Before any other historian picked up a pen, Moses was recording what had been revealed to him by God. Man may refuse to believe, but that changes nothing. The second person of the Trinity has always existed. We saw him then as the angel of the Lord. We see him now as Christ the Lord. And he has fulfilled many roles throughout Scripture. And for us today, it is as Saviour and Lord. Our eternal security totally depends on our believing and accepting him. There is no other choice. And the question is, have you put your trust in God's one and only Saviour? Is he your Lord? Is he your Master? Is he your God? Is he the one in whom you have placed your all? I pray that he is.